If you have your copy of God's Word, please turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Uh, if you are a guest with us, we want to especially welcome you today. We've been working through the book of Revelation. We happen to come to verse 21, chapter 21 today, uh, which means next week is the last week of Revelation. That's uh, been a sweet uh, study for my own soul. I pray it has been uh, for yours uh, as well. Uh, we are going to uh, dive right in uh, the Word. Uh, so as we uh, hear God's Word, we want to make sure that our hearts are ready. Uh, so at this time, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have the privilege to bring our request before you now. Lord, as we have praised your name and confessed our sins, God, we have given our resources unto you. God, we come again to, to bring our needs before you. Father, we pray for the, those in our congregation. Father, we pray that you would be with uh, Olin and Louise Hollis. God, we thank you so much for um, their continued trust in you. We pray, God, that as they... Uh, continue to battle this cancer, these last days of Owen's life, God, that you would give him faith and courage. And God, I pray that you would continue to give him hope for the life that is to come. Father, I pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for all the, the moms represented in this room. God, we know that this day brings many emotions, Father. Um, we thank you so much for how these mothers in our congregation, God, care so well for their children. We thank you for our mothers, God, who have cared well for us. And God, I also just pray that you be with those who uh, experience a, a wide range of emotions on this day, whether that is for a, a child they've lost, uh, a child that they are separated from, God, or a mother they've lost. God, there are so many emotions that come with this day. I pray, God, that you would meet them all individually by your grace. Father, we do pray specifically for um, Warren's son, Logan. God, we thank you for his opportunity to, to, to serve in the ministry. We pray, God, that you would just bless him and the, uh, the opportunity to be at Northwoods Church today. Father, we thank you so much for uh, those who celebrate their birthday today. We are so grateful for Carolyn Edwards and God, just her faithfulness. God, we thank you so much just for her smile and her presence here in our body. We pray, Lord, that she would just feel your presence and that she would know that she is deeply loved by the people of Park Baptist Church. We also just pray for Samuel, God. We pray that you be with him, Lord, as he grows. 
We thank you so much for even just giving him a positive report on his benign tumor, God, and his leg. We pray, God, that you would just continue to mold and shape him into your image. Father, we also just pray that you would continue to have the gospel uh, go forth throughout our world. And God, we pray that you have the gospel go forth in South Africa. I pray for Pastor uh, Gustav, and I pray, God, as he preaches your word today, God, that you would bless him and his congregation, God, that they'd be formed and shaped more into your image. Father, we pray that you would continue to help them draw in young people, that they can continue to the mission of their church. Father, we also just pray for our nation. God, we, we pray specifically this um, this morning, God, for our Congress. We thank you so much for how you have uh, given us uh, checks and balances, God, and given uh, our, our congressmen uh, opportunity and women opportunity to uh, to make wise decisions, to govern well. We pray, God, that the laws that they create would, would govern uh, justly and wisely, God. We pray that they would value life, God. We pray that they would set up laws and systems, God, that they would uh, help us see your hand of blessing and obedience. Father, we also just pray for the gospel to go forth in our own town. We thank you so much for uh, Pastor Reggie Hopkins and his faithfulness at uh, Calvary Baptist Church, God. We pray that you would continue to use him there to build up the saints. We also thank you for Ron Richardson, God. I thank you so much for his, uh, his love for your word, God. I pray that as he preaches to the people of Catawba, God, that you would form that church more and more into your likeness. God, now as we come to this hour, when we get to hear your word, we ask that you would have a holy calm come upon our hearts. God, we pray that the word of God, as it goes forth, that you would soften us to receive your word with gladness, God. That it would reap a 30 to 60 to 100 fold of what is sown. God, we, we thank you so much for uh, this wonderful book, the book of Revelation, that kind of gives us a preview of what is to come. God, I pray that even now, Lord, whatever we're dealing with, whatever suffering and pain in our lives, God, that you would lift our eyes uh, above, that we would set our minds on the things that are above, not on earthly things, God, that we would understand that our life is hid with Christ in God and that, that our hearts would be full of what you have prepared for your people. So, God, I pray that you would help us hear well, help us live well uh, for your glory and for our good. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Revelation 21 uh, explains, I believe, the deep emotion that comes with Mother's Day. Uh, today, as I said in my prayer, is filled with a myriad of, of emotions. Uh, there are new mothers who are expecting their first child. Um, they wake up today feeling light on their toes. While at the same time, we have mothers who remember losing a child through miscarriage or a tragic early death. There are mothers who have a sweet love with their relationship with their children and believe motherhood is their purpose for life, while well, there's others who long to be reunited with their children after certain events have caused a fracture in their relationship. Some mothers feel guilty today as they're confronted with their own inadequacies and regrets. Some of you are gripped with joy as you think about your own mothers. Yet others are you filled with sadness and deep grief because your mother is no longer living or there's a hole in your life that you can acu acutely feel today. Mother's Day is a day of deep emotions. I believe Revelation 21 helps us because it really helps us understand what all the Bible is about. Uh, Revelation 21 is the destination of the Scripture since Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinfully rebelled against God in the garden. And God cursed this world. All the deep grief and sadness we experience today is because this world is cursed. 
The, the creation itself is, was subjected to bondage of corruption in the fall. All the, the deep joy, on the other hand, that we, that we feel today, the delight that we, that we have is, is, a, is a glimpse that life will not, this world will not always be cursed. There's coming a day when God will come and bring paradise with him. Every sweet moment we have with our family, every new life that is brought into this world is a dim reflection of what is to come. So the deep emotion of loss and the deep emotion of joy that is intensified on a day like Mother's Day can be explained in Revelation 21. First, let me read Romans 8. Romans 8 helps us see how suffering and joy are related to the God's promise of heaven. So Revelation, Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25 says this. It says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirits grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope you were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see what the, 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 the scriptures are, are teaching us there? The whole creation groans in pain. It looks forward for its new birth, for new life. All our suffering is explained in the fall. The world is cursed and, and long for our labor here to end. And yet all our joy is explained in the hope of Christ's coming. We get glimpses of what, he, what awaits us when we see what life is meant to be. One of my prayers for our congregation, is that we really will be the aroma of new life for those who enter our gatherings. The way we love each other, forgive each other, laugh with each other, bear with each other, encourage each other, delight with God with each other, will give other people a taste of what awaits those who long belong to Jesus. My prayer is that our church will truly be the aroma of heaven and draws people unto himself. So today my heart rejoices with mothers as my heart rejoices with those of you who think well of your mothers. At the same time, my heart grieves with mothers and my heart grieves with those who may not have the best relationship with their mothers. Joy and sadness is our lot until... Revelation 21 becomes sight. There's four things I want to point out with this text today. Uh, the first is the new life on earth. New life on earth. Now remember, the church in Asia is, is suffering. They're oppressed. They've been marginalized by the community and struggling to survive. So God was given this 
uh, gave John this window into heaven to remind them to persevere in the midst of their suffering. That there is coming a day when all the suffering you experience in this life will be over. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4. Look at the text with me again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Those of you who remember in John's Gospel, John 14, uh, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them. And here we see the new Jerusalem prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A beautiful, glorious place for the people of God. This will be magnificent and glorious. Revelation 21.4 is a powerful verse of a promise. God says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Uh, yesterday it was hot, was it not? 95 degrees. We decided it was a great day to teach uh, Olivia how to ride a bike without training wheels. And uh, so when you teach kids to ride a bike without training wheels, what often happens is pain comes at least one time during the trial, right? The, the pedal nicks uh, an ankle, uh, they fall, and immediately tears start coming, right? And, and what do, do parents get to do to their kids when they're crying in pain? We have to take our big hands, right, and just wipe those tears away. It's a beautiful thing for a parent to do, isn't it? To wipe the tears away from our kids' faces. That's exactly what the Lord is doing here. Our Father takes His big hands, puts them on our face, and just wipes those tears away. And they're gone, never to be seen again. Even as we saw the text last week, He takes death itself and He throws it into the lake of fire. The curse will no longer have its victories in our life. God promises us perfection. I mean, think of a bride. We're in wedding season, a lot of marriages in our church. Just think of, of a bride and, and how she's prepared for her wedding day. She walks down the aisle. She's just gorgeous coming down uh, to her husband. Or maybe think of, uh, of a sunrise over a, a, a lake with that slight breeze blowing across your face. These are glorious things that God has given us in our world. God offers that kind of life on earth. It is a new life on earth. I say God, new life on earth because heaven in its final state will be more like earth then less like earth. I think some believe that heaven to be a place where we're kind of floating around on clouds out of our bodies. Uh, but the Bible says that we're not going to live up there in heaven, but we're going to live down here because heaven is going to come down to us. He's going to purify this earth and remove all of its deficiencies, all of its impurities, anything that resembles the curse, and we will live on the new heavens and the new earth in a curse-free world for all time. This is exactly the scripture that, that Bobby read in Isaiah 65. Let me just kind of read a few verses there. It says, 
They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children of, for calamity. They shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. And they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will graze together. The lion will eat straw like, an, like the ox. The dust shall be the shepherd, the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy on, in all my holy mountain. When you read this passage, you just get a, a beautiful picture of how glorious heaven will be. When I read Isaiah 65, I usually jokingly say that when I get to the, the new heavens and the new earth, I'm going to have a pet tiger. <laughs> I'm going to have one of those giant tigers who's just going to follow me around wherever I go. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but that's in my head. It's pretty cool, right? But here's the deal. If we think about all the blessings that heaven has for us, if we think about all the things that I just mentioned as the, as the point of the Bible, we have missed the whole point. We've missed the whole point of the Scriptures. Point number two, new life with God. New life with God. The most important verses in Revelation 21 are not the verses that describe what heaven is going to be like, but are those verses that describe who we will be with in heaven. So Revelation 21.3, And behold, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. Now, if you do a quick kind of survey of the entire scriptures, this is the great promise of the Bible. The great promise of the Bible is that one day God will be our God and we will be his people. Let me just kind of give you a smattering of verses. Right? Genesis 17, 7 and 8. I will establish my covenant between me and your offspring after, your, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings in the land of Canaan for everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Genesis chapter 17. Leviticus 26, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. 2 Samuel 7, 13 and 14, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. Jeremiah 31, 33, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 37, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place will be with them. And I will be their God. And they will, shall be my people. And I will bring them to dwell in the midst of their of Jerusalem. Zechariah 8.8. 8, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God. In faithfulness and in Righteousness In Revelation 22, 3 and 4, No longer shall there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no lamp or, the, or sun, for the Lord their God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. When we are thinking of heaven without God, we miss the point of the Bible. 
And I'll be honest with you, many people in the South think of heaven as only the place where they get to see those who have, have, have died before to be, to be reunited. Now listen, heaven is about God. It's about being with God. Jesus came to mediate the presence of God to us. The Bible says in John 1.14 that He became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became God, our Emmanuel, God with us. Beloved, we are sinners. We deserve eternal fire. Everything we read of judgment in Revelation, we deserve because of our sin. But Jesus came to be our light. Jesus, the righteous, died for us, the unrighteous, to bring us to God. The goal of the gospel is not merely salvation for us, but salvation to God. We are allowed in the presence of God because Jesus died for us. We are given new garments for the wedding feast. So if our hearts long to be in heaven because of heaven's beauty and to be free of suffering without longing to see Jesus, hear me, we may never enter it. If you want to go to heaven only because heaven is the place without suffering, but don't long to be there because you want to be with Jesus, you may not be a Christian. You may want God's blessing from His right hand, but you may not want God Himself. The only way we will go to heaven is if our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The book belongs to the Lamb. Do you belong to the Lamb? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you long to have fellowship with Him? This is what God has given us now. Do you long to, to sit at His feet and hear His Word? Everything in this, in this world wants to keep you from reading the book, keep you from fellowshiping with the saints, because it wants to keep you from Jesus. It wants to keep you from longing after Jesus. So do you long to be with the Lamb? One way we belong to the Lamb is that Jesus Christ is the most exciting thing about heaven. John Piper poignantly asked this question in his book, God is, is the Gospel. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters could be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there. What would you say? Now, not what you think you should say, right? But truly, what would you say? Friend, there are times when we want the blessings of Christ without Christ himself. We want to strive with all vigilance to, to hold fast to Christ, to hold fast to the one who died for us, to hold fast to the one who saves us by his grace. Let us long to, to be in heaven because we get to see Christ. When we have our hearts set on Christ, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Point three, new life is for conquerors. New life is for conquerors. Uh, I have had the, both the, the, the joy and the, the sadness to, to do a lot of funerals. Um, I've, I've had to sit at many people's uh, living rooms and talking about those that have gone to be with uh, the Lord. 
And it doesn't really matter, anyone who passes away, whether they were a Christian or a non-Christian, everyone kind of believes that they're going to be in heaven. You know, there was a, a poll 2016 that says um, most Americans believe that there is a heaven and that they'll go there when they die, regardless how they choose to live in this life. Most people love the first paragraph of Revelation 21, but most do not read the next one. Will you either be a conqueror or a coward? Look at the second paragraph of Revelation 21, beginning of verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. If the Lord says these kind of things, as kind of like a prelude, we should really focus in on them. And then he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's really just adding weight that the words I'm about to tell you are really important and you should listen to them. Then we see this, this theme kind of recircle from the, the first couple chapters in Revelation. In verse, the end of verse um, 6. This is the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The only sovereign God, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, says if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will drink from the spring of water of life without payment. Only the one who conquers will have this heritage, that God will be his God and you will be his son. Remember how each of the letters of the, to the seven churches ends? To the one who conquers. Jesus has conquered for you to eat the tree of, of life, to not be hurt by the second death, to receive a new name of white stone, to give a authority over all nations, to clothe you in white garments, to, to make you a pillar in the temple of God, to grant you to sit on the throne with him. Now, Jesus has conquered that forth, the lamb who was slain. Now, how has Jesus conquered? Jesus has conquered by the cross. Therefore, we as his people must pick up our cross daily and follow him. Jesus has promised us a glorious inheritance. He's promised us adoption, sonship. And these words are trustworthy and true because they're said by the only sovereign, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. So the question is, will you be a conqueror? Or are you now living like a conqueror? Or are you living like a coward? The one who lacks the courage to endure with Jesus, but follows after this world, the Bible says will be thrown in a lake of fire. Will we conquer or will we cower? Friends, we will always fail to live up to the calling that we have received. We're never going to do this perfectly. We will sin and we will grieve the Holy Spirit. But when you sin, do you repent? Do you turn from your sins and trust in Christ? Remember, if anyone sins when they're in Christ, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And yet, do not presume on the riches of His kindness. He is merciful. He is compassionate. But He is only that way to those who know Christ. To those who conquer 
with Christ, who hold fast to Him in the midst of this sinful world. Jesus died and rose again to bring His people to God. Will you embrace Him? Friend, if you're here today and are not a Christian, I pray that you would just turn to Christ. I pray that you would look for that day when, when your judgment happens, when you stand before God, and God says, I have all this for you. All you need to do is come to me. I pray that you would embrace him. Now, church, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you feel like you're living as a conqueror in the cross of Christ or cowardly embracing the worldly pleasures of this day. If you are conquering and feel that way, I just pray that you do so more and more. Trust in Christ. He is worthy. If you are cowering today, living in sin, repent and trust in Christ. That's a message we need to hear every day. Repent and trust in Christ. He is worthy. Only those who who belong to the Lamb and whose names are written in the book of the Lamb will have new life in in paradise with God. Lastly, number four, new life in paradise. New life in paradise. Heaven will be intimately connected with God and with the people of God. So when you think of heaven, you have to think of God and his people. It's really how the scriptures teach about God throughout the scriptures. It's God and his people. They're kind of woven together. I want you to see how, how inclusive the holy city is. That as the twelve gates have the twelve tribes of Israel, representing all the, the Jewish believers in the Messiah throughout history. You know, one of the, the questions I often get as a pastor over the last six years is, what about Old Testament saints? How are the Old Testament saints saved? Well, they're saved in the promise of the Messiah, just as we were. We look back to Christ, right? The promise of Christ's coming, and His death and His resurrection. Old Testament saints look forward to Christ's coming. But we're saved in the same hope. We're saved in the same promise. We see that here in, in even how the new, new Jerusalem is set up. And we also want you to notice the wall of the city with the twelve foundation, representing the twelve names and the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The people of God before Christ and the people of God after Christ believe in the same salvation and have the same hope in the same Savior. All belong to the Lamb. We're going to read the rest of this section. I just want to point out a few things as we go. Look at verse 9. It says, And then came one of the seven angels with the seven bowls full of the seven plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It's radiance like the most rare jewel, like jasper, like clear as crystal. In a great high wall with twelve gates, And at the gates, twelve angels, and on the gates, the name of the twelve tribes of the Son of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. On them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. See how inclusive that is? The the, the twelve tribes of the Old Testament, the twelve tribes of, or the, 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 the twelve apostles of the New. The, the true Israel, ethnic Jews and uh, Gentiles together in glory. As we go on, I want you to see 
rather than phoning out all the specific details of the New Jerusalem, sometimes it's good just to capture the, the, the whole beauty of it. It's just this, I want you just to kind of read and, and fathom how glorious this is. Words can't do it justice. And if you, if you pick it apart, you'll, you'll maybe add to your understanding, but let's just kind of wash over you this picture. And as, as I read this beautiful picture of paradise, I, fear, I pray it just fills our hearts with hope. Look at verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and its width, height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, a gate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, carnelian. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysoprase. The eleventh, jacinth. The twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the streets, the street of the city were pure gold, like transparent glass. You just see how glorious this is. It is a glorious place that God has prepared for his people. And as you read this section, I I just want you to see how central God is to the New Jerusalem. See, there's no need for a temple because God will be ever present for his people. So the tabernacle, the temple, what it did, it mediated God's presence to us. The Lord Jesus Christ did that physically, and and now we do that to the world as the the temple of God filled with the Holy Spirit. But one day when we're in glory, there needs to be no temple because God will always be present. His presence will give light and peace. See how John reminds his readers, even here, that, that no one, no one who's not been made pure by the Lamb can enter into this glory. Look at verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. As this section kind of moves to a close, the, the, the book end of the book of Revelations, we are reminded of Genesis chapter 2, where Adam and Eve were, were able to eat of the tree of life, and then they sinned. They rebelled against God's word. They were banished from the garden, and God put a a cherubim with a flaming sword guarding the tree of life, so no one had access. Now here, what do we see? We see the tree of life restored, and all who who have Christ can eat of the tree and experience His perfect goodness. Look at 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb 
to the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were healing for the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Friend, heaven is worth it. We must fight the good fight of faith. The good things of our world just give us a window. Give us a window of what is to come. And our suffering that we're dealing with today should make us long for that day. To make us long for chapter 21 of Revelation to become sight for us. Our goal is not to get to heaven. Our goal is not to get to heaven. Our goal is to get to God. That's the goal of our, of our life. This past week, uh, Stephen Reitay and I had the, the great privilege of sitting with Owen Hollis. You know, he's one of our dearest and longest members. Um, he was really, cared really well for me early on in my pastor here. I have a special uh, affinity for him. Um, well, Owen has cancer all over his body, and we know that the time is, is short. His end is, is coming soon. Uh, we had a great visit, some good conversation, and uh, I offered a prayer for him, and I was ready to kind of get up and leave, and he stopped and said, Before you go, I'd like to sing you a song. It's one of the sweetest, joyful, and somber moments um, in recent days for me. So as we sat in his big living room, uh, we just sat there in silence while he took out a sheet of paper and began to sing. He began to sing of Revelation 21. This is what he said. There's coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All peace forevermore. On that happy golden shore, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a glorious day that will be. There'll be no more sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day. Glorious day. That will be. And as he sang that last stanza, he raised his hand in worship, had a big smile on his face, and sang, What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. Friends, I pray that we will long for heaven 
for the reasons our dear brother Owen does. That one day we will see our Jesus. We will see his face. The only one who is able to save us by his grace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the new life we have in Christ. We thank you that there is a day, a glorious day that comes for the people of God. We pray, God, that our hearts would be steadfast, not to just experience your blessings, but God, to experience your, pleasant, your presence. Father, I pray that our hearts would be full as we long for that day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought it would be